No abs, we don't feel pain, Sheldon. I'm John Chudley Hill. <laughs> and I am Sheldon Alexander. And this is You Killed It, the podcast talking about the challenge, Rider Dies. This was an interesting episode. Uh, uh, some banging moments, some moments that I skipped through. I go the other way. I think this was an incredible episode. I think, incredible. sorry, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. An incredible performance. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I will say that. The episode itself, okay, cool. But I think this goes down as one of the most incredible performances we've seen in a challenge episode in a very, very, very long time. And I'm saying uh, uh, when we get to this part, I will break down why I also think like the elimination was so good as well because it wasn't just the performance by the contestant, but also I think production did a really good job of it too. But yeah, the episode, cool. We know what happens at this time of the season, right? Where things become a little more, uh, you know, drawn out for lack of a better term. You know, like there's not as many uh, storylines, so to speak. Or sorry, we're getting all the storylines. That's what we're being told about all the time. So many storylines, so many different things going on that not directly just talking about you know, where they're at in the show. You got to hear about everybody back home and everybody who everyone wants to win the money for and all that. But I think the, the, the two eliminations, cause we start with an elimination and end with an elimination. I think they delivered. Yeah, they did deliver. And I mean, small spoiler alert, but in both cases, the team I was cheering for won, which is a good feel. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, let's let's get to it. Because I was just about to say something else, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, yeah. I Are think... Saying, Sheldon, not so fast. We should get to the elimination. <laughs> right. Well played. I see what you did there. Thank you. I see what you did there. So the elimination between Casey and Kenny and Jordan and Anissa is a challenge classic. Not so fast. Mm-hmm. You know how it goes. They got... They're attached to a rope. They got to go around a cage and tie knots. They've got 20 minutes to make it as complicated as possible. Then they switch and have to undo what the other team did. And I got to give our man Jordan some credit here. He says, you got to try to weave it in and out as if there's two ends to the rope. Because otherwise, it's just a question of who's backtracking fastest. Like you don't want them to backtrack. You want them to stop. You want them to be confused. You want them to have to undo things. And he and Anissa just do a great job. And like they don't have always the best communication. At one time, she at one point she says, ouch or ow. And Jordan replies, No ows. We don't feel pain. And it's just like lovingly shouting at her is sounds like my childhood. Is that what he was doing? Is that how you describe it? Well played. I I like that. I honestly think that this was a great lesson in communication. And this is, you mentioned it. This is a challenge classic, a challenge staple. This is a great, great, great uh, elimination. And I think the important part here was having seen it before. Because Casey would have seen it before. But I don't think Casey has done it. Kenny has no idea. But both Anissa and Jordan would be super familiar with it. And I think that part is huge. Now, doing it with a partner, 
that part is also huge as well because communication becomes the most important part of this whole thing. And the dynamic between Jordan and Anissa, we've seen it be kind of up and down at points, but it's been mostly ups. In this episode, in this child, in this elimination, it was an extreme, extreme just up. Jordan did a masterful job in leadership here and motivation and motivational speaking throughout this whole thing. But even before we get to the motivation part, as you mentioned, the strategy part and being able to communicate that to your partner and then have them follow your lead is just bravo, well done. Because the part that I think they don't show enough, because you know what happened more than they did, you know what happened more than they actually showed was Bananas and Nani and whoever else trying to help Casey and Kenny. And it was to no avail, right? Yeah, it was to no avail. And part of it was that Casey and Kenny would stop to talk about what they're doing. And like Bananas at one point shared at them, like you, you, this is not the time to talk. You have to constantly be moving. Mm -hmm. And he's right. You do have to constantly be moving. Because it's, although it's not a timed event, the fact is you are working against the clock. Yeah. Both doing the knots and undoing the knots. And that's valuable time where you could be making a knot tighter, where you could be pulling something through. And they ended up, Casey and Kenny ended up basically having a lump of rope just in one corner. Well, also, yeah. Yeah. And, And Jordan and Anissa just had to disentangle the rope enough that they could drag that big knot across the finish line. That's that's what it came down to. Whereas the knots Jordan and Anissa did like were basically impossible to undo. Yeah, because you had to put bodies through those knots, right? Where, as you mentioned, once you're able, the hardest part about uh, Kenny and Casey's was l- probably lifting the whole rope up and over the apparatus or through the apparatus, yeah. right? Whereas Jordan and Anissa were more focused on moving the people through the rope, which mm-hmm. in that instance, you have to actually talk about what's going on there. You have to actually talk about, wait, do I go through this hole or this hole? And if I go through this hole, am I sure that's the right hole? Cause then what's the next move? Like you yeah. had to talk all of that through. And that was a major problem. That was a major issue. But I want to give the shout out here to, well, first off, uh, can I name this episode, Ooh, My Cooch? Yeah, for sure. I can do that? Okay. No, that's that's a great title for a podcast featuring two men. No, that's good. Oh, My Cooch. Oh, My um, Cooch. Yeah. That was the thing that was said on the show. I'm just quoting Anissa, you know? <laughs> um, but I want to say this. The way that Jordan and Anissa communicated I know a lot of credit is being given to Jordan and it should, you know, but I think there's a big role to be played here by Anissa. That is an important reminder of just understanding rules. And if in this instance, Jordan has a game plan and you really don't, the best thing that you can do is listen. The best thing you can do is just follow the order where I think that some people might just want to seem like they're doing something or argue or just want to have something to say. Whereas Anissa was just kind of following instructions, you know, and then Jordan was motivating her. 
Jordan also realized that his role was to uplift her and she wanted to, you know, take a break at certain points. She was gassing out. Jordan was doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the rope to where I thought maybe Jordan might gas out because he was doing a lot of work, but he was being a great motivator. He was stopping Anissa from wanting to rest and he just kept her going. I thought that was really, really, really important. I think Jordan can be a dick sometimes. But Correct. I have to say, especially afterwards, they have like uh, uh, straight to camera, the two of them, like in the zone, but it's like confessional, where Anissa's crying because like uh, relief and sadness and like she just she has like a lot of emotions in that moment, which are all fair. They're all valid. Mm-hmm. And he gives like a really sort of motivating speech about like not accepting defeat mentally, trying mm-hmm. your best. And just like. I mean, it speaks to so much of who Jordan is and all he's accomplished in his life, given his disability. Yeah. And just like an incredible performance by him. And, and like, I think I've mentioned this before. I can't remember if it's on the show or not. I have a friend who's disabled who I actually had dinner with tonight and we we're talking about the challenge. Mm-hmm. And he fucking loves Jordan because he said, like, as a member of the disabled community, my buddy said, like, listen, Jordan is the kind of role model our community needs, right? He he finds a way to win, even when it's not playing to his strengths. At the end of the day, once again, I feel like we have to say this all the time. Jordan's hauling around heavy rope with one and a half hands. <laughs> like, like yeah. basically everything they do on this show requires two hands, but he consistently finds a way to do it, not just like as well as everyone, better than most people most of the time yeah and the way he imparted that like no quit attitude that desire to anisa who's at a point where like listen i'll give anisa all the credit in the world she's really smart she's like keeps coming back and she has a lot of determination but now i think she's in her own head a little bit because she's never made it past this point of the show yeah in her 13 seasons and so like there's a part of her that doubts herself that feels like, Oh, she's going to like fumble the bag. Things are not going to work out her way. And Jordan's desire is clearly rubbing off on her and teaching her how to overcome that mental hurt- hurdle that she's developed. Cause like Anissa has a lot to offer. I like mm-hmm. I'm a big Anissa fan, but Jordan is helping her, get that extra 10% that she needs to get over this hump. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think that who did who, like, do you think that Anissa could be partnered with anyone else on the show and be doing this? Well, no flat. No. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you there. Right. And I just think, you know, Jordan's line where he says, Anissa is gassing out, right? And she's telling Jordan everything. I think she said this in her confessional. She's telling Jordan everything her body can't do, and he's telling her what it can, and it's highly motivating. That line, you know, I thought that was so, like, I was getting hyped up watching that, and I'll be honest with you, I was super tired on my couch watching this episode, (laughs) and it was getting me hype, right? It made me want to get up and, like, work out again today because I'm like, oh, man, this is crazy. and. Jordan and Anissa, they just just seem to be at the right 
point, like a perfect partnership in terms of him understanding the role that he's playing for Anissa, right? And like going at her pace, but also knowing that she can do it, but then just motivating her. And that's a crazy, crazy, crazy workout. And you mentioned Anissa crying and Jordan being a good teammate and her talking about how, you know, she's never had someone who's built her up like this on the show. I thought that part was really cool because she's been on the show for a very long time. Been partnered with a lot of different people. And in fact, as you said, Jordan, for the most part, hasn't always been this nice, right? Like it's almost Anissa being his partner has brought out the best in Jordan as well. So it's just a, such an interesting dynamic that just seems to be clicking. And I mean, it was a great episode for them. Uh, question for you. Was it tough for you to say goodbye to Casey and Kenny? No. <laughs> Uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to longtime listener, uh, Stevel, Stevel Empire. He uh, pointed out a tweet to us that uh, Gretchen tweeted, Gretchen0912. It's a picture of Kenny and Casey. And Gretchen's caption is, if they were a spice, they'd be flour. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Um, here's the thing. I think Kenny is a nice guy and as we mm -hmm. often say he's just a regular person and he loves his sister and he supports his sister and like you know i'm sure he's an excellent co-worker you know uh, i don't know if he's a church-going person but I, maybe he's a, a good uh, member of his congregation or a valued member of his community not good at the challenge and that's okay i'm not mm -hmm. saying i'd be good at the challenge i'm just saying He's not his sister in terms of athleticism. And Casey, not good TV anymore. She was never like great TV, but she is boring. She's the other, a boring person. The other part though, right? And I'll say this, and we'll, we'll talk about it later on when we talk about Chauncey and Amber. But I think a lot of this flaw has to go on Casey as well, because it's not like she was doing a good job of helping Kenny, right? No. The fact that you know, and especially when you see Jordan and Anissa with this, Jordan knows how he has to help Anissa. However, that may be in different situations, right? On the flip side, he knows there are certain points where Anissa is going to help him. Like mm -hmm. the way that their dynamic just worked. So I know a lot of the flack goes on to Kenny in terms of what Kenny didn't do or what Kenny couldn't do. And he wasn't that strong of an athletic competitor. Cool. But first off, Casey brought him on the show. So, like, that's her first mistake. But secondly, mm -hmm. you got to, once he's here and you're partnered with him, because that's the show, you got to figure out a way to help him. You got to figure out, okay, we're doing this challenge together. I'm going to take the lead. You just follow my lead. Yeah, you got to coach you, him up. Coach him up. You got to know you got to do the heavy lifting. You got to put him in the position to succeed in some of these things. And I don't think she did that. I think she kind of just was doing her thing and then pausing because she knew that he needed a break. I also think that one of Casey's issues is that she hasn't done a lot of eliminations. And Correct. I don't think she understands I should say she has a three and two record in eliminations. Mm. I looked it up as we we're talking. She's a three and two record in eliminations. And one of those, which wins is, is against not, Nani. 
Yeah. Uh, where like Nani basically gave up. So yeah. like not an impre- impressive track record. And this season in particular, has anyone had an easier path than Casey and Nani? Well, as you mentioned though, right? This is always a familiar thing for Casey because her, she's always kind of coasting behind Fessy. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of always been a thing. And we're seeing it, we saw it again through this season. And there's something to be said for having experience in some of these situations, in some of these, you know, different events, in some of these, you know, even just working with another partner, even just being in some of these eliminations where it's all about heart. Right. Like mm-hmm. you can be the strongest person and that doesn't matter because you're going to gas out, you know, like I don't think Fessy would do well in something like this. Right. Fessy would be no. horrible at this. And so that to me is what makes the challenge so incredible because challenge after challenge, Casey is probably one of the most uh, talented female competitors. I would even say just more talented competitors, period, regardless of gender. And yet the success rate isn't really there. You know what I mean? And in this instance, I feel like she probably came into this thinking, I'm going to bring my brother on the show. Don't worry. I'll be able to carry you pretty far. And it didn't really work out that way. It didn't really work out that way. And um, we had this big teary scene where Nani is really upset. And Banana says, like, man, I don't know what this is going to do to Nani that Casey's gone. And Devin says that as well. They have this big teary goodbye, which was lovely. And like, I like them as a couple. And then like the next day or or shortly after, we have a scene with Bananas and Nani talking about, you know, how what a wonderful support Casey was. Uh, Nani says, she's literally the only person that's been there for me since my mom died. And like, listen. My, you know, the Sheldon longtime listeners know this. My dad died nearly 10 years ago and it was devastating. And I have all the empathy in the world for Nani. But we also know that it's not true that Casey is the only one that supported her. Like, I understand that she's grieving and she's upset, but we literally saw Johnny Bananas checking on her repeatedly throughout the season um apparently last episode i had made some comments about like why are amber and nani suddenly friends apparently they bonded over the mutual loss of loved ones because amber lost her grandmother just before winning the season mm-hmm. with ct so like i know that it's hard to lose casey for a week or two but like I'm sure Nani has a wonderful community around her that's supporting her, including Johnny Bananas, who has been who is literally her ride or die. And I know I'm not the only one that was sort of frustrated by Nani's tears. Uh, longtime listener Rochelle Valdez says this Nani pity party is so blah. She's been on the challenge for so long before she met Casey. You will be okay on the show without her. The majority of the house doesn't have a significant other with them. You'll survive. I love, love, but girl, you need to chill. I, I got to say, I agree. Like, it's sad, but at this point, how much time do they have left until the final? A week of filming? Two weeks? I also just think more so 
the issue is, you know, because obviously, right, like I hope that if anyone's listening to this, you know that it goes without saying, like everybody grieves in a different way. But there's an element to what we've been watching on this season that kind of seems like um, it might be being used as a storyline, right? And I'm not saying that she's not grieving at all. I'm not saying that, you know, she has no actual feelings about losing her loved one because obviously she does. I'm just saying you chose to come on a reality show. Right. Like at the end of the day, like you didn't have to come on to the challenge this season. You mm-hmm. could have stayed at home. You could have, you know, stayed and tried to relax at home. You could also like not have these moments on camera. If you went to production and said, Hey, I need a second. Maybe don't film this because I'm really sad and having a moment. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that they're not going to put a camera in your face while you're crying about the loss of your mom. I also think that like, how long would you say at this point in the season they've been filming four weeks, five weeks? No idea. Sure. But like, let's say four weeks, probably longer. She's had her fiance, her future brother-in-law and one of her best friends with her the entire time every day. And, like, I'm not going to say it's not a stressful situation, but she has had a pretty good time with a lot of support, a lot of friendly people. And also, Nani's really popular in the house. Tori likes her. Anissa likes her. Devin likes her. Amber likes her. Like, it's, I again, like, I really empathize. Losing a loved one is just heartbreaking, and it's really hard. And then having to not see your significant other for two weeks after you've been together like day by day, I just took a lot of issue with her saying like, she's literally the only one that's been there for me. When we have seen for weeks, she is surrounded by longtime friends. Like she's known bananas and Anissa for a decade. (laughs) Like, yeah, she is surrounded by people. And like, I mean, in some ways I feel sorry for her that maybe she can't see that. Like maybe she can't see that she's surrounded by, a supportive network of people. Yeah. I just think that a, a lot of it seems odd in the sense that like you are making it a storyline, right? Like, I mean, I I'm trying to be, I don't want to come off as being insensitive, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, there's a world in which this doesn't end up as being a part of the show yeah, very easily. And yet it always comes up as being a part of a show. And let's be honest, the bananas sitting in bed, talking to her, like you guys got ready to film that, that scene. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, I don't know, it's just tough. And it's been a long time of seeing the same thing. And unfortunately, let's be honest. It's not like there's much else going on inside the house anyways. So that's why we keep getting force fed this stuff, but let's get on to the actual like daily comp here. Sure. Uh, everyone's standing around waiting for TJ, and then a bus comes like rolling around the corner, and TJ comes out. What did you think of this uh, entrance by your boy, TJ Lavin? I mean, I don't have a producer hat. I'm not a TV producer. But I have to point out, he definitely was not in the bus when it pulled up. <laughs> right and like when he gets off the bus 
there's no driver behind the wheel. Like they clearly like had a stunt driver, a professional driver do this grand entrance. They stopped. The driver got off. TJ got on. And then they filmed him coming off the bus. Right? Like there's, there is 0% chance that TJ Lavin was on that bus when they were driving it like that or that he was the driver. There's no way. Listen, all I'm going to say is if you want to doubt the capabilities of TJ Lavin, that's on you, okay? I will not slander the name of TJ Lavin and claim that they would try to deceive us, the challenge audience. I think that TJ can do anything. And so TJ Lavin could have driven that bus for sure. He could have. He just didn't. <laughs> Let's get to the challenge. There's a bunch of balls. There's like a ball pit in the bus, right? Mm -hmm. A pit of balls. I'm trying to figure out a way to just not say there's a balls in the bus because that just sounds weird. But there's a pit of balls in the bus. They all have different stickers. You have to match it to a color-coded system that's at the start of the, the track or the course. When you see them, the bus starts moving down the track. There's a bunch of obstacles you got to like dip and dodge and the bus is moving and you're, you're bouncing off the walls. And while all that's happening, you somehow have to figure out the order to place all of the balls in in a certain amount of time. Then you stop the bus. You get out. Fastest team wins. Now. I don't know how you do this. I'm going to be like, as soon as I watched it, I was like, I don't know how one, what the strategy would be because like, okay, you might have a good strategy for like, like looking at the window, you might have a good strategy for not falling over, but I don't know how you find these differently marked balls while you're getting thrown all over the place. Yeah, I don't know I don't how know. you stay organized. I got nothing. I got nothing. I found it re really strange too. And I think that the reason I found it super strange was because you saw a bunch of people like literally flying across the bus on some of those turns. Yeah. So, some of them were bad. Some mm -hmm. of them took bad spells and I felt sorry for them. I was wondering too, if like the walls were padded cause it didn't seem like it. I thought they were a little bit padded, but like even still like concussions happen when your brain rattles around in your head. Mm -hmm. Padding doesn't help that. <laughs> Yeah. Right, like it's the sudden stop that kills you. It's not, and like the other thing is, so many people threw up. Tori threw up the most, but like they people were laid low by that. Yeah, Chauncey threw up as well, right? Chauncey threw up a lot um, early on. I mean, I think Amber and Chauncey did the worst. They seemed really at sea. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> One thing, you know, I got to comment on it. Tori pukes all over herself and then just looks at Devin and goes, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then they are Devin's. So they're like on a circuit. They're on a loop. And Devin's like, listen, I just want to check one last time. Like we're going to go by. And then Tori goes, fuck it. And flips the switch to signal that they're done. Yeah. And, like, he's super mad at her, but she's, like, vomiting all over the grass. And she's, like, I get sick 
just being in a car, let alone a bus getting thrown all over the place with balls everywhere. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like clearly mad, but like calming down. And he says to her, push it to the limit, beaver tail. And then he like puts his hands up like this and she like flaps it around like she has a beaver tail. And then he realizes that he has like her vomit all over his hands. And he goes, oh, God. Which brings me to a listener comment from Luann Snyder, who says, I only have two words to describe this week's episode. Beaver tail? Now, this is our moment of Canadiana. Sheldon, when you hear Canadiana? Yeah, that's a or Canadiana. I would say Canadiana, obviously. I'm not saying you're wrong. No, it's just interesting. Okay. Um, Anyways. But when you hear the expression beaver tails, what do you think of? Can I just say that I don't hear the expression beaver tails? Is that an answer? I mean, it is, but you're missing, you're missing out on the delightful fried dough that is sell, sold at tourist traps and especially oh, yeah. on the uh, Ottawa Canal when it's frozen for skating. Have you ever had a beaver tail? They're I don't delicious. think so. I don't think so, no. Listen, I'm not. For our listeners, if you're ever in Toronto, where you want to go is on <laughs> Queen's Key, which is spelled not the way you think it's spelled, <laughs> which is the lakeshore. Please spell Queen's Key for the people because I think it's well worth it. It's just hilarious. Okay. So Queen's Key is spelled Q U E E N apostrophe S. I'm sure you're with me so far. Mm-hmm. New word, Q-U-A-Y, Queen's Key. So on Queen's Key, which is a street <laughs> in Toronto, it's on the lakeshore. Like on one side is water. On the other side are buildings. There's a Beaver Tails location. And you can get a Beaver Tail. It's like a, a doughy, uh, deep fried piece of dough. Like think of a donut, but not in a circle, but like uh, a rectangle, much like a literal Beaver Tail. And then you can get like different flavors on it, like chocolate or cinnamon sugar or whatever. And you can get like strips of different flavors. It's delicious. Check it out when you're in Toronto. That's how did you say Canadiana? Canadiana? I say Canadiana. You said Canadiana. I was saying, is it Canadiana or is it Americana? 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 See, now, now that we're just losing meaning. <laughs> where were we here where were we here we we're talking about Beaver Johnny Tales. and Nani who immediately got like thrown around like as soon as the bus started like they were ass over tea kettle I was like oh these guys are going to lose like I thought Amber and Chauncey suck but these guys are getting tossed but then they crushed it like Nani like found her feet and I th- did they get it in one loop like were they that good I was confused by how this was edited and it, it made me question like, wait, did Johnny and Nani actually win? And we'll never know, but that's just also just looking for the conspiracy. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought maybe they did, but I couldn't really tell like how many loops the other teams went on. Right. Yeah. I also didn't even realize until the very end that they were showing us that certain teams got eight out of 10. Correct. Yeah, but the teams that got all of them, they didn't show us how many were correct. Yeah, 
So it was only Olivia and Horacio that were in there too, right? Like they're the other ones that got it 100% correct. Jordan and Anissa, I thought, got all 10, but I don't know if they got all of them correct. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think they did. But, again, a lot was going down. And so, yeah, Jordan and Jordan. Bananas and Nani. Banani. 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 See, uh, we ruined <laughs> the English language. So, they win. And this leads to deliberation, which really ter- turns into you're only saving one team. Were you surprised that that team that they decided to save was Fessy and Mariah? I was stunned. So, like, before they went to inter- interrogation, I was like, okay, they're going to save Devin and Tori. Because, like, I mean, Devin and Tori in confessional were like, yeah, like, Devin and Johnny get along. Tori and um, Nani. Nani are friends. Like, it just makes sense. And, like, you know, obviously, if Casey and Kenny were still on the show, that's who they would have saved. Like, that would have been their automatic. But I was like, I guess the next best thing are these two. And then they go into their deliberation, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're saving Fessy and Mariah. And I was like, I mean, I guess Johnny's involved with Mariah but then they go on to explain yeah they're the strongest team in the house so like going forward we want them on their side especially so close to the final and my immediate thought was but you don't want to go against them in a final like they're your top competition like all the other teams are somewhat flawed I'd be wanting to get rid of Fessy and Mariah. Wouldn't you? So I agree with you, but I think that what I'm beginning to learn is that a bunch of people have different strategies. You have people who are trying to win the final, and you have people who are trying to get to the final. And I think part of Bananas and Nani's strategy here, and I can kind of understand here if you think, hey, if we can get to the final, Fessy might gas out. Because we've seen it happen before. Fessy can't eat stuff. We've seen that happen before. So maybe you're not worried about Fessy in the final as much as you're worried about if Fessy and Mariah win next week, will they protect us? Right? And that might be the thing that they're worried about the most. Now, the other part is if you don't protect Fessy and Mariah, and let's say they do end up in an elimination and they're not happy about that, are they now coming for you next week? That might be the other part of it. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with any of these theories because I did think it was very weird, but, I mean, it was quickly overshadowed by what might be one of the dumbest moves ever made in the challenge. I won't say the dumbest move, but it's definitely one of the dumbest moves. Because I mean, do we want to get to that first or do we want to stick with this decision? Well, I mean, the other thing I'll say about this decision is Johnny and Nani. I think what they're saying is that I think they're working on the assumption that next week will be the final elimination. And the mm-hmm. way it'll work is whichever team wins will save one team and then the other teams go in. Mm-hmm. So their logic is. If Jordan and Anissa win, they're automatically saving Tori and Devin. Yeah. And if Fessy 
Uh, I'm sorry, if Horacio and Olivia win, they're saving Fassi and Mariah. Mm-hmm. So they, Johnny and Nani, are face are forced to save uh, Fassi and Mariah because that's the only one where they might be able to get them to save them. Yeah, because who and as they mentioned, who knows what Amber and Chauncey are going to do, which could only be so true <laughs> because Amber and Chauncey come in and they basically just say, hey, throw us in. This might be one of the most ridiculous things ever because you're so close to the final. Why on earth would you think that it's a good idea to throw yourself into elimination mere, what, one, two competitions away from the final? That is one of the dumbest things ever. I I mean they Chauncey gave the explanation of like yeah I quit on a on an elimination or on a daily but first of all that was two dailies ago lots happened correct uh and like the teams are no longer happening but also I think that Chauncey and Amber are having a bad time and they just want to go home ooh like I think they're just not enjoying themselves in the house and like I think that's sort of borne out because the next people that come in hmm. are Devin and Tori. They immediately, like Johnny and Nani are like, well, our decision was just made for us. So, you know, they asked, we'll oblige. And like Devin goes on a rant about like, this is fucking classic Amber. Just like trying to make herself out to be the hero. I was like, Jesus, like Devin, like this is way too harsh. And then Nani was like, couldn't have said it better myself. I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, literally everyone that came in was basically like, yeah, fuck Amber and Chauncey. They suck. Like, they want to go in. Great. Get them out of here. Like, everyone was on board with the, like, great. Let's get them up out of here. Like, these two suck. Like, I I couldn't believe how harsh it was. And, like, lest we forget, Nani and Amber were holding hands and skipping into the house together like three days ago like jesus what happened yeah i think like there's a bunch of different things here that i'm very confused about one if you're amber and chauncey you can't possibly be on your way like i i buy into the theory that devin puts forward that anisa also goes super ham with that amber and chauncey this is Amber playing, like, doing too much, right? You got to remember, who was Amber connected to coming into the house? Michelle. Mm-hmm. Michelle and Jay, crazy strategists, doing too much, thinking, like, five steps ahead. Amber is thinking, hey, I'm going to put myself in because, but really, she thinks she's going in anyways, right? Yeah. Because if you play this out, and let's say whoever else is, whoever else, if she's not to direct vote, and now you're in the the what's the, the knives, the pulling of the knives. She basically would have to pull the safe knife to be safe because anyone else who pulls a safe knife is not saving them. So no. in her mind, she's looking at it. OK, well, the percentages are I'm going in anyways. That's the first reason she's going in. The second reason she thinks that if we win and come back, we can use this as a bargaining chip. Like, hey, I saved everyone last week. Like, we just went in last week. Why would you want to make us go in again? I definitely think that is what they were trying to do. And 
if maybe the rest of the house wasn't so harsh about it, they could have given her a way better edit into this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think they gave her the edit that she thought she was going to get by doing this, by being like, oh, hey, you know what? There's so many tough decisions to be made. And, you know, just to make the, everything easier for everyone to not create drama in the house. How about you just put us in? And then we'll do that favor for everybody because we all got to go in and compete at some point. So why not let us go in? But again, I will repeat it. One of the dumbest moves in challenge history. Absolutely. By far. Because Bye. you don't know who you're going in against. You are a couple challenges away from the final. And on top of that, you don't know what the actual elimination is going to be. And, like, I hear what you're saying about how, like, you know, they know on some level that if they're in the dagger pull and they don't pull the dagger, they're likely going in. That's still a better chance of uh, than 100% going in at your own request. <laughs> yes. Right? Like, exactly. give me a one in three chance over a 100% chance. <laughs> like, yeah, like she can still pull the dagger. Yeah, totally. Which leads to my line of the episode. You know, I'm going to say it. When Devin's on his rant, which I did find like sort of shockingly harsh, where he's basically like, fuck Amber forever. Where he says, you know, I'll give her credit. She's playing chestnut checkers, but she's not a good chess player. I like that line a lot. That's it's my line good. of the episode. And again, very accurate because calling her out for just doing too much. Yeah. Um, here's my theory, though, of what I think I would have done. If I'm bananas and Nani, right? Do I want to save them or do I want to put in Horatio and Olivia in or Tori and Devin in? I think that Amber and Chauncey and Jordan and Anissa are the two weaker teams, meaning I would want to run a final against them. Yeah. More so than I would run a, want to run in the final against Tori and Devin and Horatio and Olivia. So I would be automatically throwing in one of those teams. And, you know, because they're rookies, you could get away with putting in Horacio and Olivia again. Nobody's going to bat an eye, right? So then you have Tori and Devin, Amber and Chauncey, and Jordan and Nisa, knowing that two of those teams are going to save each other. It's probably going to be Amber and Chauncey going in, right? Mm -hmm. They might be able, like, if we use this last challenge, this last elimination we just watched, who wins between Amber and Chauncey and Horacio and Olivia? Right? Yeah. It's a toss-up. It's a toss-up. I will say I I like what you're saying. I think that is sound strategy, but I would offer an alternative. Okay. You put in, like, they're so concerned about getting put in next week, right? Which is why they have to protect Fessy and Mariah. Mm -hmm. And they say, like, one of the issues is they know that Jordan and Anissa will save Tori and Devin and vice versa, right? Mm -hmm. Can't save them if one of those teams is gone. True. Put in one of those teams. I would probably put in Devin and Tori over Jordan and Anissa. Yep. Um, but I'd put one of those teams in. And then, then like, there's you got a, a like, uh, some chance that they might have to face each other depending on how the daggers go. And then you definitely don't have to worry about one of them putting you in. Yeah, no, I, I definitely hear you. Definitely agree. 
and I just think it was a really interesting move, but I also like understand the strategy. I'll say that. Yeah. So as mentioned, it ends up being um, Fessy's team being safe. Now you have the dagger pull, right? Well, before that, TJ, I like TJ questioning Amber. Like, wait, you guys are putting yourselves in? You do know this is for a million dollars, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, again, what are you doing? It makes no sense. Chauncey's answer doesn't make sense. Anyways, Olivia and Horacio pull the safe dagger. And they save Tori and Devin. Was that a good choice? Because I'm like, wait, what? That makes no sense to me either. No, I. That's not the team I would have saved either. Like no. I, I don't. There, I mean, Jordan says it himself. Like Horacio, like I thought we were buddies. And also, I think I agree with what you said earlier. When it comes to the final, I think Jordan and Anissa are the more flawed team. Right. Like I think that's going to be, if like the teams that I'm looking to keep at this stage are definitely Jordan and Anissa. Yeah. Like they're probably the weakest team as like as much respect as, as I have for both of them. Like there's a, there's a lot of flaws. Anissa yeah. is not built for running what amounts to a marathon. Yeah. And that's a yeah. huge, huge part of the final. But again, like I think maybe Horacio is afraid of going against Jordan in a final. Yeah. That's got to be it. Because he said, like, again, we both thought they were boys, but even Jordan thought that. But he says he put them in because Anissa put him in. It's like, okay, sure. I don't know how that makes sense, but sound. I, I thought know. it was weird that Horacio was, like, so hurt that, like, teams voted him in. Like, I don't think he fully understands that, like, it's... The game? It, yeah, like, it doesn't entirely fall on Anissa that he went in. No, but also, like, that has nothing to do with what's going on in the game right now. Yeah. Right? And the personal grudge of making this decision could come back to bite you in the final. Like, if you lose to Tori and, jo and Devin and they beat you, like, that makes no sense to me. And I also think that, you know, Amber and Chauncey would have been pretty good in the final. Oh, yeah. Or I think, you know, there is a part where Chauncey might have struggled if there's a swimming part, right? Chauncey mm -hmm. can't swim, right? Yeah, he's not a strong swimmer. They We we did. We went through that already. Yeah, we know Chauncey. And he's been bad at daily challenges. So we know that part, right? Mm -hmm. But to me, the biggest thing, the biggest factor in all this was I didn't understand the moves being made or what final these guys think they're playing it for. And somehow... Fessy getting gifted another opportunity towards a final makes no sense to me. But anyways, here we are. And I don't want to, I want to leave us enough time here to fully digest one of the best eliminations that we've seen in challenge history because. I mean, so it's called rumble tumble and okay. it's an, it's a simple game. Sheldon, mm -hmm. you have you and your opponent of the same gender are attached by uh, I'd say it was like a six foot long rope. Sure. By a harness back to back. You start in the center of a ring and there are six different pyramids, they call them. And 
three are in your color and three are in your opponent's color. And whoever knocks over their three first wins. Yeah. The problem, of course, is that your opponent is attached to you. Now, before it even began, it starts with Amber versus Anissa. I knew Anissa was going to win. Of course. Can I ask you something, though? Yeah. I have two questions, actually. Sure. Do we know what the third round would have been if it was... 1-1? One, one. I had assumed it would go back to the women. Okay. That was that's just me making an assumption. That's like what I saw. Like that's what I I figured they would do. Okay. Second question. How quickly did you go as soon as they explained what was going on and they showed Amber going against Anissa, did you just go, "Oh shit. Amber has no chance here." Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't feel bad for Amber because I want Amber and Chauncey off the show. Like I, I and also she put herself in this position. Yeah, and also I like Amber. Or excuse me, I like. Oh my god, I almost said I like Amber. I like Anissa. I I want to see Anissa make a final. I'd love it if Anissa won a final. I'm not sure that she will, mm-hmm. but like I like Anissa. She's good people. She's good TV. Like. She's great. Uh, I love Jordan. Like I would, I was rooting for them for a variety of reasons. So I didn't say, Oh shit. But I was also like, Oh, she's not going to win. I was like, I wonder how quickly Amber realized, Oh shit. I screwed myself. Cause she gets a DJ Khaled award. Cause she played herself. Right. Like to throw yourself into like, think about that. Like I would love to be inside Amber's brain as she processes okay, yes, I'm putting myself in. You try to give this positive spin. You're smiling, all that. And then you realize, oh, I got to go in and do a physical challenge against Anissa. Yeah. And like, I mean, put it this way. There's no way that Amber wins. Zero percent chance. There is no way, like, Anissa showed a lot of heart and a lot of fight. And I don't want to take away from that. I also think that the producers really did Amber a favor because like they had all these people offering commentary and they had slow-mos. But if you look at the slow-mo, Anissa's smiling. Like Anissa is not pressed at all as this mm-hmm. competition. Anissa knows she has it. Like she knows it's a matter of if, not when. I think for Anissa too, she realized that it was an endurance thing for her more so than it was like she was struggling. It was kind of like, okay, let me save up a little bit more energy here. Okay, now I'm going to push. Yeah. And it was funny as she was going and she started telling like uh, who was cheering for Tori was cheering for Jordan, Jordan was Tori cheering was for telling her what to do. And both times she's like, no, shut up. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, and yeah, Amber, that's just dumb. Just not a good look. I just want to point out, let's say Anissa did not put in as much effort. Let's say Anissa just lay there. I don't think Amber is capable of moving Anissa even when she's not trying. Like, moving someone who's dead weight is tough. And just like... Like there's, there's, like I said, there's no scenario that Amber is dragging Anissa around a ring. Like, and like so, Anissa had some baller ass lines. I think my favorite was, um, "I'm gonna walk her like a puppy around this goddamn circle." <laughs> like, yeah. 
<laughs> I love being she was talking people. that talk. She was talking that talk. Question for you. So it's not Mariah and it's not Nani. So the only people that Amber would be throwing herself in against, right? Mm-hmm. Would be Anissa, would be Tori, mm-hmm. and would be Olivia. Which one of those three would Amber be able to be in a physical elimination? Maybe Olivia. Again, I just don't understand how this move play made any sense to Amber ahead of time. You also, one thing that I think Amber and Chauncey didn't count on is that this is a television show and the eliminations i'm not going to say that they get harder as a season goes on but they don't get easier yeah like there's no like puzzles this late in the game like i'm not like this wasn't really a headbanger this was physical but like you're not getting it's hard it's physical you're not going to get a puzzle at this stage Mm. Like, remember the very first elimination where uh, Devin and Tori eliminated Kayla and uh, her husband, Sam? And it was just, like, moving, like, uh, like marble yeah. through a maze. Yeah. You're not getting that at this stage of the season. No. No, no, no. They saved, the, they saved the challenge classics for the end. You're going to get the, the Powerball, or what yeah. I call Powerball. You're going to get the the one where you got to rip it away from your rip the dog bone away from. Yeah. You're going to get, you know, even the one that Fessy and Nelly did, right? Like that was a hard physical challenge as well. I don't know. I just think that it was just bad, bad, horrible gameplay by Amber. And also if it was a physical challenge, maybe she was thinking, well, it'd be her and Chauncey and Chauncey would be able to take Devin or take Jordan or take who's the third one, Horacio? Maybe I that's don't know what she was thinking. He takes Horacio. I don't either, right? But like, I'm just trying to figure out what Amber was thinking here with this game plan. But either way, let's move off of Amber and her terrible gameplay to Jordan and his incredible gameplay. Well, and- hold on. Well, let's talk about Chauncey and his terrible gameplay. Like, that's the segue. Because Chauncey makes two critical errors before the horn even sounds. His first mistake, and he says it in confessional, is, I don't really have a strategy going into this. That's a mistake. Like, especially because you just watched your girlfriend. Like, you got to have some ideas churning in that brain. You got to be thinking about something. But I, okay, hold on. Let me ask you this, though. How quickly... Like, did you think of what Jordan did as a strategy? Like, I feel like most people's first thought would have been exactly what, you know, I'm going to try to pull. I'm going to pick one of the directions, which most likely is going to be the one directly in front of me. And I'm just going to try to, like, beast mode, pull my opponent. Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. I think he figured that what he would do is just basically what Anissa did. Like, he... exactly knows that he's got more weight than Jordan. But I also think he should have thought to himself, okay, Jordan also is learning from this experience. That's giving him too much. I, I think, I don't think you're giving Jordan enough credit for what he did there. Oh, Cause well, I don't, cause I don't think that most people 
would have thought it out that way because it wasn't even just going after the first one. It was having the sense of what to do after the first one, right? Because let's even just say that Jordan understands, wait, I'm not, because immediately, right? As soon as this begins and Jordan says, and credit to the editors or the production team, because how they cut this together was incredible. Jordan just basically teaching us a lesson that he knew Chauncey was going to run forward. So his thought was, I'm going to run to the side, which is going to throw him off and he's going to fall. Okay. First off, great first move by Jordan, right? That's a first great chess move by Jordan. Maybe someone might've thought about that beforehand, right? And Jordan though, watching him do that instantly made me think back to Josh. And when Jordan beat Josh in the, the uh, tug of war, what season was that? Was that war of the worlds? Yeah. yeah. It was war of the worlds. One or two, two War of the worlds, two, right? Where Jordan is in the elimination against Josh. They're doing a tug of war. Obviously Josh should be able to beat Jordan in the tug of war. You would think, but Jordan uses Josh's weight advantage against him, right? Knows that Josh, he, he can just tug on it a bit and then kind of relax and Josh was going to fall off. Genius strategy from Jordan. This is another scenario where he knows he does not have the weight advantage. So to make the first move, I was like, yo, smart move by Jordan. He gets to the first one. But then for him to explain, okay, cool. Now Chauncey is going to start pulling me because he has to win. And I'm going to let him pull me instead of wasting my energy. I'm going to let him pull me because it's also going to get me halfway to my next one. That part, I think, was really the genius part of it all. The first move was cool, but in saving your energy and trusting the fact that, hey, if I save up all my energy, what do, I only have X amount of energy, right? I only have a certain amount of gas in the tank. When do I want to use the majority of that gas? I'd want to save that for the end when I'm going for the last one. Because if I use all my energy in the first one, is it going to matter that I got to the first one? No. I need to have enough in the tank to get to the third. So why not use Chauncey's weight against him and have him drag me or at least carry me a little bit closer to the, I just thought it was brilliant by Jordan. It was absolutely brilliant. brilliant. I will say, uh, you know me, I'm a wrestling fan. Mm -hmm. Have you ever watched a strap match? Are you familiar with the concept? Yeah, I've seen it. For those of you who don't know what a strap match is, it might sound a little familiar. You've got two wrestlers attached typically at the wrist by about a 10-foot-long leather strap. They can hit each other and stuff with it. But the goal is the person who wins the match is the one who touches all four corners of the ring. And, of course, the person that they're attached to stops them or tries to stop them. Sounds familiar, I'm sure. So a classic trope in wrestling is that one person will like tie up their opponent with the strap and like have them on their back and like carry them around the ring as they like slap each corner. And then secretly the person on the back is also slapping the corners as they go around. And then when they get to the fourth one, the person on their opponent's back hops off, they fight, and then they get to slap the fourth one first. Yeah, That's a little bit what Jordan did here, mm-hmm. right? So it ends up being 2-2. After, again, Jordan basically takes the Chauncey Express around to get to his uh, second marker. And then he just has to battle 
it comes down to that last one. And Jordan is closer to his, but also credit to Chauncey because Chauncey still had something in the tank and he dragged Jordan for a bit. And there was a moment where I thought, oh, wait, like, yeah. is all of this great strategy not going to matter because Chauncey is just some beast that is so strong that he still has that much in the tank that he can just, going back to what you said earlier, do what Anissa just did to Amber? Yeah. There was I a moment where I thought that. Where I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But instead, Jordan grabs on the Chauncey's leg <laughs> and then seems to like trip him, throw him off balance, and then Jordan gains the momentum to end up winning. I mean, we got this is this could have been my line of the episode, but Jordan says in confessional, I will never quit. I'm going to live in Chauncey's dreams forever. So good. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> like that's that was wild, right? Like what what a gut check. Devin even said, you know, what a performance, real-time adjustments. So true, right? Jordan had to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? And then Jordan gives, you know, this was a great line. Jordan had a bunch of great lines in this, but he said, the challenge doesn't cater to whoever's bigger or the stronger alpha. You have to find the shtick in every game, and he who finds it first usually wins. He's 100% right. And, like, I've often said this. This is Johnny Bananas' great strength. Yeah. Right. And but like, did you Jordan, see how shocked Bananas was? Yeah. He was impressed by this. Yeah. Well, how could you not? Like, I'm not, I'm not sure it's the best elimination performance of all time. Cause like Jordan has, this is like, if you think of it, if you look at Jordan's track record specifically, mm. he had the one where he beat Zach in a sledgehammer contest where he yeah. won one handed. Yeah. He had the one who was it? Was it Leroy that he had to go against where he had to like break all the light bulbs first? That was in War of the Worlds. There was the one where he beat Josh in a tug of war. Again, a much larger opponent, and he only has one hand. Yeah. And now this, like, I can't say that this is the greatest elimination ever, but man, he certainly added to his legend with this. Uh, finale like this is incredible yeah it was super incredible performance and i think too when i look when i think of what jordan did in this episode and in this thing like one thing i was curious about did we see fessy reacting to any of this no no is that weird a little like That's a little weird it was a lot of bananas and nani reacting I don't yeah. recall seeing like what at all uh, Fessy was doing. And we saw a bit of Tori and Devin, right? We saw them reacting, but I have no idea what Fessy's reaction was to any of this. But it made me wonder, because, you know, Fessy would have just done what Chauncey did. Yeah. But he still might have been strong enough to hold Jordan back, right? Because the weight difference would just be so much. But it made me think of like what other matchups would have worked. Yeah. It's a, it was a great, great challenge, great performance by Jordan. What a move. But I will say this. It made me think Chauncey might have had a chance to beat anyone else because he was a beast. He still had so much energy at the end, and he almost dragged Jordan. 
I feel I actually feel bad for Chauncey because yeah. Amber let him down. Right? She drastically let him down. My guy, you know, he might not have been the best performer in the daily challenges. I get all that. But she put him in this position to nominate to go into elimination where she had no chance. And then Chauncey happens to be going against someone who has just a great, 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 great strategy. All yeah. in all, just a dumb performance by Amber. And she let Chauncey down. I feel bad for Chauncey. I I hope that they go and go home and like review the tape and think about some of the things they did. Because, like, they could have been a real competitor. Like, I think they have a lot of the tools to actually do well in the final, but, like, they got to do less. Yeah. They got to they gotta learn to ride the waves rather than make the waves, you know? Yeah. Um, I have to ask you, Sheldon, uh, who killed it for you this week, and why is it Kenny? <laughs> we know it's obviously Jordan, right? Obviously Jordan had Jordan. one of the greatest episodes, period. If you think about it, too having an episode in which you win two eliminations. And I don't want to give more credit to Jordan than Anissa because they both competed and both competed really well. Anissa had a really good performance as well as she dominated Amber. I give her credit for that. The only reason I'm giving the slight win to Jordan for saying he killed it more in this episode was because Anissa was ready to gas out in the first elimination. And Jordan really did take the lead there. And he really, you know, was doing most of the work in terms of dragging the, the rope through while Anissa was trying to gather herself. But Anissa wanted to quit a couple times. And Jordan pushed her through. And I don't know if Jordan, if Anissa wins that first elimination, if she's partnered with anyone else. So now you're back in the game. You end up in this elimination now, right? And Anissa obviously does her part. But I don't know if Anissa is partnered with anyone else in this game if they're able to beat Chauncey. So for that, that's why I'm giving the slight edge to Jordan because I just think that he did more in terms of them getting these two wins. I think Jordan's uh, degree of difficulty was more than Anissa's in both of the eliminations that they won. And just credit to Jordan too for some great one-liners, some great confessionals, and... I love, love, love how they cut that elimination, having Jordan explain his game theory to us in real time while he was doing it, and even still had the twist where it made me think that Chauncey might win. It was just well done all around. TJ's face, like, you rarely see, you can see times when people are cheering, right, and they're like, oh, yeah, but when you look and see B Banana's reaction, when you see TJ's reaction, like you could tell that those two dudes were impressed. And those are two dudes who have seen the most of anybody in the history of the show. And when you're shocking those dudes, yeah, man, you killed it. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I have to say as well, like I'm going to say that Jordan and Anissa killed it. Yeah. Because they really did as a team. They are mm -hmm. really impressive. Um, and I really hope that this, uh, has gotten them like gotten Anissa over that mental hump, over that hurdle I was talking about before. Um, uh, and like help her get to a final, help her be competitive in a final because Anissa's great and she's 
I think deserves that chance. And like, I just, I love their interactions this episode. I also have to say, it's nice to not have any Tori or Jordan drama. Yeah. Good call. That One full episode break. without it. Pleasant break. Yeah. I Where like can the good people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Please continue to like and subscribe wherever you get the pod. We really appreciate it. I know we didn't get to many comments. We got to some, but I do see all the comments. Shouts to all the people that keep responding back, the people hitting us up on the YouTube page. Bless us with the like. Bless us with the share. Tell your friends. That was a great, 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 great elimination. And I just want to know if you guys experienced that the same way that we did because I was super impressed by Jordan there. And, you know, it was a great, great, great performance. So huge shouts to all the people listening and following along with the pod because it's greatly appreciated. You guys give me energy at whatever time this is right now that we're still recording this pod. Where can the people find you, my dude? Five in the morning. What? Uh, (laughs) You can find me at Twitter. At Twitter. Oh, my God. I am tired. On Twitter and Instagram at Jay Chidley Hill. And until next week, this was You Killed It. You killed it.